Hello, and welcome back to Nerdy Thoughts, a podcast where our guest gets to choose a topic they nerd out on for us to discuss. I'm Mimi. And I'm Ted. Thanks so much for joining us. It's episode 12 today. I think you're going to be very excited for this episode today. It is, uh, it's a very um, creative episode today. We're going we're gonna to learn a lot about a lot of things, but, but mostly the creative <laughs> process. Um, but before we get there, uh, Mimi, how are you doing? I'm okay. Um, I've been sick. <laughs> oh no. I'm sure, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. Um, but yeah, I got a cold around Thanksgiving and it just doesn't seem to want to go fully away. Um, I, yeah, it, I was down and out for like a couple days, one week, and then I start to feel better. And then I was down and out for a couple more days. And then I kind of started to feel better. And I've been hold and steady at this like kind of awkward in between where the cough isn't fully gone my voice isn't fully back mm. um and i just i don't know what it is it's it's not covid i know that much <laughs> but the doctors are just like yeah you just got to kind of wait it out uh had antibiotics on a puffer it's been yeah. fun Oh, wow. But it didn't stop me from having a Halloween party. So luckily, one of those moments of feeling good was over that Halloween weekend. Um, and I'm very grateful. As you know. Because <laughs> that was a fun party. <laughs> it was a fun party. It was great. Um, but really, other than that, I mean, I haven't been up to much. I went to Alora for, for the day. Uh, that Ooh. was, that was, oh, that was the, yeah. So it was like, I was sick. I felt better. I went to Alora. And then on my way home from Alora, my voice just was like, yeah, peace out. We're done. Um, and then I couldn't speak for a couple days. And then finally I was back a couple days before the Halloween weekend. And yeah, and this is now I'm just at this steady in between weird limbo. But, <laughs> Are we talking uh, about your costume at that party? We can talk about my costume at that party. Because <laughs> it was terrifying. I You shared on your Instagram a shot of you standing at the window looking out i need yes. the listener to recognize that this is how we were greeted my girlfriend and i when we showed up <laughs> there was just this crazy clown and she had red contacts in mimi did and yes it was i it was legitimately that uncanny valley thing where it's like i recognize your facial features i don't know who you are and it was <laughs> it was really it was actually intimidating um, yes. So for those who don't know, I went as Pennywise, the female version. Um, I dressed up my dog Freya as Georgie. I tied a little red balloon to her yellow raincoat and I had a, a bundle of balloons that I carried around. And if I was able to tie a balloon onto you, you had to take a shot. Yeah, That was the most fun me. thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> you were my first victim because you had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, you, you got me. <laughs> I got you. I got you. But yeah, no, it was, it was fun. It was fun. I was so happy that honestly, the response I got to my costume was like way more than I thought I was going to get. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, everyone's costume was great. Like you and, and your partner's costume was fantastic too. Switch controllers. Yeah. Yeah. And homemade. On that. yeah homemade switch that, like, controllers. Oh my gosh, we will we'll have to post a, a photo of of you guys and then I'll post a photo of me because you have to understand everyone, these switch Joy-Cons that his partner made were amazing. They were they were like, really they good. They could have like been she's... store bought, but they weren't. <laughs> oh, that's all I'll tell her you said that. Well, she'll hear it on the podcast too, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're uh they were she spent a lot of time on those. Yeah, no, it, it was it was honestly costumes were mandatory and everyone delivered. Yeah. Everyone looked so good. Yeah. 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 But other, I mean, other than those two things, I've just kind of been relaxing, cuddling with Freya, back at work, everything like that. Back to streaming. I was off streaming for almost two weeks because I was just, I was like, well, if I'm not going to work because I'm sick, I, I mean, I could sit and play video games, but at the same time, I want to rest my voice. And yeah. it does, also just doesn't look very good. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so it was just kind of, it's just been a very relaxing month <laughs> really it's been a very cozy um, month too it's been it's kind of been the perfect weather to be like yeah. inside you've got lovely big windows in the back of your place so you it, yes. that kind of look out into a nice uh uh woods area so yeah it's i'm it's sure it's been lovely. a lovely cozy like two hands on a big mug of cappuccino type day it really it really has been but just a little bit more boring than i well i don't know well, i'm not that, i'm not 
I'm not a very exciting person in the first place. So like being sick is just like, I'm like, <laughs> this is like my natural state, uh, being on the couch watching TV. But, uh, but you know, it's like, I couldn't go thrifting. I couldn't do, you know, I couldn't do those things that I would normally do on a weekend. So yeah. kind of sucked, but it is what it is. But how have you been? You got through exams. I got, I didn't just get through exams. I, I kicked exams, but, um, Yay! yeah, I studied hard. I, I, I kind of knuckled down and, I uh, got like a 94 average in my exams. Um, I took a lot oh of averages. Oh my god! I got, did a bunch of exams. I got on my practicals. I got 100 percent on my live sound because uh, I soldered a cable perfectly. Um, I got 97 Dude. plus a bonus mark, so I it technically 100 on uh, my production, setting up a mic, bringing it through the board, sending it to Pro Tools, um, and I got uh, 97 in my Pro Tools. Um. Yeah. So, thank that's you very much. amazing. Congratulations. Thank you very much. My lowest mark was an eighty-four uh, in computers. Wow. Uh, and that's not yeah. even a low mark. <laughs> no, I know, I know. So yeah, so I can't really complain. So yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely in my uh, element here. Good for you. Yeah, it's been forever though since I had to study for exams, and it felt um, it feels like because um, some of the the, the the generations that's coming into school out of high school right now is. A decade younger than me so My it's God. it's like <laughs> i know it's like a whole generation <laughs> kind of removed um so their study habits are a lot different than the way i'm used to studying which is right. i'm going to grab a pack i'm going to go to staples or the dollar store and grab a pack of flashcards, write it out on one side write the titles on the other side you know quiz myself with those a bunch but they've got all these apps and they're um doing <laughs> all these like shared notes and stuff um, oh wow! Although they they we have a ward against the shared notes because uh, I think on the computer exam there was a question where they're like, too many of you people got this question wrong for me to think that I taught this wrong. I think so. One of you sharing notes. Um, oh no! Don't do that. And it's like, yeah, why would you read someone else's note? That's like cheating off of someone else's exam. If they've got the wrong answer yeah. in their notes, you've got the wrong answer in your notes. And yeah, also, I don't think I'd be comfortable using someone else's notes. Like, no. unless I missed a class and I, like, had to, yeah. you know. But yeah. then I would pick someone that I'm, like, I trust that I trust notes that person's notes are correct. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so um, I got a, a very high average. Um, although, this is something interesting. Um, averages across the board. Not in not I'm not just talking about my school. I'm talking about kind of the province of Ontario and across Canada have actually gone down about two, three percent um, across all standard kind of examinations. I don't know if that surprises me just because of what kids went through. Yeah, that's exactly uh, with right. COVID. Um, yeah, it, I feel like that's not surprising at all that that that's dropped because kids don't know how to be in school anymore and how to study. Yeah, um, for a lot tests of it was because, virtual. I mean, Everything was virtual, and you know how easy it is to cheat on a virtual exam. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I've like we've got math homework that we do, um, and it's just basic kind of math, just to make sure that you can do the basic math that you need to do. Like for example, uh, ratios, adding and subtracting, and multiplying and dividing, and fractions, and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, <laughs> like I overheard some some uh, classmates. They're just like, oh, I just throw it into uh, an equation solver. I was like, what? What's that? It's just it's just an app on the computer that you type the equation in and it just answers it for you. Like it, it'll take whatever form of equation you put in and give yeah. you the answer. What are you learning? <laughs> you're not. And that's the thing. Once tech you know, if your technology craps out on you, you're shut out of luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh it, it's it's interesting to see the kind of differences that that have changed in education in the past ten years and, and yeah. Um, but that's not to say that all the people coming in from from high school aren't excelling. A lot of, I mean, most of them are just extremely clever, uh, proficient. Oh, for sure. But, but it's it's. I mean, lazy students are lazy students, and they'll always be. Yeah, the and there's way. always going to be lazy yeah. students. There were lazy students when our parents were in school. There yep. were lazy students when we were in school. There yep. are lazy students now, and unfortunately, it's just the sign of the times right now as well. Just with the way that education got so uh, interrupted that there's going to be an, a new learning curve to everything as well. And you can you can also not be a lazy student and still be struggling a little bit because you just didn't have that regular educational experience. Mm -hmm. Or someone to be around to kind of whip you into the, the proper studying shape. Because it's yeah. not for everyone. Like, 
again, school is not for everyone. You don't have to go to higher education. You don't even have to go to trade school or anything because some people just don't gel with taking tests. Yeah. That's that's a completely legitimate thing. Like tests can be hard for some people. and Everyone learns different. Yeah. You know, like it's differentiated learning needs to be a big thing in schools these days because it's not just about sitting and taking notes. Yeah. It's hands-on stuff. It's 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 just everything. Yeah. Well, and education is important to so many things. Um, and mm-hmm. having like the ability to put your work out there in front of peers and in front of, uh, you know, instructors who have been in the field and kind of know what they're talking about. It's a huge part of learning a creative process. And uh, I think someone that can tell us a little bit more depth to this uh, idea of the creative process is my friend Shannon Farrell. Went to school with her. Uh, She uh, took theater and uh, theater writing specifically. She'll tell you about that in a second. But uh, anyway, Shannon, um, what are you here to talk to us about today? I'm here to talk to you guys about writing creatively. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a huge topic, but it's. I was. I was thinking about this when you told us what you're going to be uh, talking about today. It's so central to everything we talk about on this show, and and I had to consider what writing goes into. It's like characters have to be developed, their relationships, their backstories, mm-hmm. worlds have to be described, uh, novels, comic books, uh, plays, uh, poems, all these things that we can nerd out about. There had to be some sort of creative writing in there. And it's the See, soul of everything we need. We nerd out about. Ted, this is why I need you because I was just like, I love creative writing. It was my favorite subject in high school, <laughs> <laughs> and you and you give the deep thought to it. <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, I don't know. That's just how I am. But that, I, I'm really excited to to dive even deeper with uh, with Shannon here because Shannon, what's your kind of uh, background with creative writing? Ooh, so um, besides, you know, doing it uh, through high school, actually, uh, I mean, that's, I feel like sometimes that's where you get the itch. That's where you first start getting it. Um, For sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I ended up uh, going into university and streaming into the uh, playwriting program. And this, this particular program w- is very prestigious. They only accept nine playwrights. Um, yeah. Wow. So, so I was wow. very, very much humbled, uh, to, to be uh, given that opportunity. And it was a, a beautiful class in a way because it was just, it was a discussion and everything was about process and sharing unique process and getting to jam with other young, uh, writers, young playwrights and in, wow. in a very beautiful, intimate setting that had to have that initial setup of a safe space because sharing your work creatively is daunting. Like it's terrifying, especially at that age when you're, I mean, like I was what, 20, 21 at most. Like it's, it's really, Mm -hmm. really scary to be vulnerable with all these other people and, and now, and then, uh, you know, a, a, a quite prestigious uh, professor who's been doing it for however many years and knows everything and knows about style and knows about process and has seen it all. And now yeah. you're being asked to go, this is how I'm different than anybody you've ever seen. And that it's in itself is, is the leap that every artist, I think, regardless of medium has to take. And it's, it is kind of like a, like a rite of passage almost, not necessarily in a class format, but being able to take that first leap into being comfortable in what you're sharing and confident and unyielding, you know, like, you know, don't compromise too much. Like, you know, that whole saying about killing your darlings, but also, you know, it's okay if it's personal. It's okay if you want to hang on to it. And you learn a lot about yourself in those really early stages and and I'm so gra- I'm so grateful for that. I, that's awesome. That sounds like such an amazing opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. But it, it sounds very intimidating. It sounds like kind of a crucible of kind where you're just thrown into this massive pressure heat where, like, it's on you right now to overcome all of those um, things that are telling you, oh, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. That's that's too much to share. Like, how do you get to that point where you can put something so personal and intimate? In front of, I mean, even only nine people and a and a semi intimidating uh, instructor. But like, how do you get to the point where you can overcome that? Because I know that's that's a huge uh, block for a lot of people when it comes to creative writing. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, because 
process itself is so unique to the individual. It's it's one of those things that it either happens overnight where you're like, I'm doing it, it's fine, it's going to be okay. Or it happens like falling asleep where you just kind of edge into it little by little. And it's actually mm-hmm. funny that you talk about my intimidating instructor because this this woman was, you know, very intimidating, but so small, like a little ball of just fire. <laughs> <laughs> and I was terrified of her. Like, I was just like, oh, God, please like me. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, amazing, amazing time with her. But, but y- yeah, I think there's probably something to say about doing it in a group, doing it as a group effort and everybody has the same fear in that kind of class mm-hmm. setting where you're like, oh, we're all doing it. We're all in this room together. And there's eight other people in this room who will catch me when I feel like I'm falling and will, you know, a kind of uh, help me creatively and balance me out. And it's okay. It's okay. And, and that's what process is. It's mostly just throwing paint on the wall and going, well, that didn't stick. I guess I'll try this next time. Um, but you know, fear is okay. I, I would, my advice, if, if you're about to take that leap would be the fear is good. Use the fear because the fear me- means that you care about your art and you have to care about your art. You, you know, it, we're, we're not living in times where you can just write for writing. You, you really should mm-hmm. be you really should be saying something especially especially being you know young people and and having probably a lot to say about the world you know it's, <laughs> it's important right so take the leap yeah. always take the leap I know I just you know looking back on our authors or writers that I know who kind of were shut down over and over again so like JK Rowling the author of Harry Potter or the writer of the show squid games who you know they they wrote these stories and they gave them to publishers or producers or however, I don't know how much about the TV, how that works uh, for scripts on shows, but, and they just got shot down over and over and over again. Do you find it tricky to find that balance between sticking to what you believe in, in your writing um, and hearing like the feedback that other people say, like you said, it's, you know, don't kill your babies. Uh, It must be a really hard process to kind of decide like, when to take that constructive criticism and when to be like, "Mm, no, I really feel like I'm right on this one. Is that like, do you struggle with that ever all the time? Maybe a little? (laughs) Oh, of course. Of course. It's (laughs) because it's such a art is such a personal thing, right? It's, it's hard not to take things personally when someone's going like, I really just don't think that this idea that you've been working on for five years is going to do anything. And that's so hard to hear. Right. Um, and it is straddling that fine line of, um, taking, taking the good, you know, don't choke on the bone type of thing. Like don't never let it hinder you. I would say, you know, like never, never let something stop you necessarily. Um, something I've learned is not to tell myself, myself, no, it's to tell myself not now. Um, maybe, maybe it's a time thing. Maybe I need to sit with it longer. Maybe the world isn't ready. Um, type of thing. So I, I always kind of give myself that little room for of it's not no, it's just not now. Um, and I like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's worked wonders just that little saying of just like, just put it in the drawer. Don't put it away. But give it a rest, you know, it's, it's art is, it's like, it literally is like raising a child, right? You just kind of have to, have to put it down um, for a second and let it discover itself and then yeah. pick it up again later on, you know, and, and nurse it a little bit. But yeah, I would say that that's something that's helped me through that whole debacle because it's, it's not, it's never going to not be something you're thinking about as an artist, you know, um, of, is this profitable? Is my idea, you know, worth, you know, can I do something with it? So I would, I would continuously go back to the saying of it's not never, it's just not now. That's beautiful. I love that. I mean, that can be taken for many different things in life is it's not going in the garbage. It's just going in the drawer. Absolutely. (laughs) It can come out later. Yes. Oh, that's I love really how full nice. of these kind of like wisdom uh, phrases you are, like uh, all these it's short the hands that her. you have. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's also, it's it's just great kind of words of wisdom because they're short and they're snappy and you can keep them in your head to remind yourself. Because I know how easy it is as a creative to get into that negative feedback cycle where you're like, well, I'm not happy with this work right now and I've got to put it out to this, not even the audience that you're thinking of necessarily, but the judgmental ideal of an audience that you struggle with all the time 
And to have that short, like, ah, just put it out there, kill your darling, you know, put it out there. Or um, if it's, you know, too ambitious for your budget right now, that's that's another huge thing that can happen. And it's just like, okay, back burner, not trash bin. Totally, totally. Put it in the drawer. Yeah. I dig that a bunch. Mm -hmm. But you say something like, use your fear. That It's a great sentiment, but how does someone who is honestly afraid of maybe stepping out on that stage or um, putting their song out even on Facebook, um, how do they use the fear, you know? Like, like, what is that in a practical sense, digging into it? Yeah, you know, it's... It goes back to that saying, I think, a little bit about uh, our our greatest fears lie in ex uh, and the expectation of it, or or the anticipation. Excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. It's that moment before that is actually much scarier than the actual event. It's the what if statements. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? You know, think about all the things that you can control, and cross out all of the stuff that you can't control, because if you can't control, nobody can. So use use the fear as as just that drive use it as i'm just afraid of what people are going to think because i care so much and that is the reason i'm a writer is because i care so passionately that i took the time to put words to paper or shoot a film or act in a play whatever have you it can totally wow. tra- it can totally translate but but and and again this whole not never just not now sentiment goes back to the fear. If you're crippling, like if you have crippling anxiety and you are really like, this does not feel right. Listen to your gut. Always listen to your gut as a human being. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's instinct. And that's where our passions are connected to is just that pure instinct. Um, and, and you'll know when the time is right. You, you will know again, it's like falling asleep. Sometimes you edge into it. Sometimes you wake up one morning and you're like, I'm printing off this script and I am sending it to a company and that's going to happen. Um, and, and so, and that, all of that is entangled in fear of the unknown, all of it, yeah. everything, uh, just yeah. like everyday life. So use it, harness it. It's good. It's good for you. <laughs> Check in, you know? It's- it sounds like you're speaking from a lot of experience when it comes to this. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How long did it take you to overcome that fear? Because you don't immediately go from high school creative writing class to uh, in front of being able to share a, a personal poem in front of an audience. Mm, yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm still not over it. To be honest with you, I'm still I'm still not over it. And I think it's totally fine that you can be producing plays and putting them out there and be sitting in the audience going, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god. You know, like it's <laughs> it's totally it's totally okay. And you know, and I with with my poetry, you know, I just I I just have like an online kind of um, portfolio going on right now with my poems. I've never I still have not performed a poem. Uh, live in person, you know, that thought is one Mm. of my, that's one of my scary thoughts. That's one of my, uh, you know, oh, geez, I don't know. (laughs) You know, it's it's like safe from behind your phone. You know what I mean? Posting things on Instagram and kind of being like, oh, look, six likes, how nice, like, (laughs) you know, Um, and, and then there's that whole personal aspect of actually getting up there. So I still haven't gotten over the fear. I think I've just made friends with it I've I've it's it it is a friend to me now it's it's whenever it comes up when I'm writing something it's an indication of I've I've got something here you know it's it's the that that whole you know I really support this and I and I want I want people to be good to it and that takes Mm -hmm. time that takes time as well so yeah I still still have not gotten over it I've just made my peace with it honestly and I think I, I think that's totally healthy. I, I hope. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it is. I think like you said, um, when you have that fear, it's because you're passionate about something or you believe in it. And I think once you lose that fear, that's I, – I think I said this on a podcast before, but it's like as soon as you get comfortable with something, it's like then you're not growing anymore. Like if you have mm. that fear, you're still growing. You're still trying new things. You're still working on it. Um, and I, I – it might have been Game of Thrones or something, but there was a quote that was, you know, being brave is not not having fear. It's doing the thing 
even though you have the fear. So it's, I think it's important to have the fear because it's alert. It's how you learn. It's how you become a stronger person. And it's probably how you get better in your writing, in your art, in whatever kind of content that you're creating. It's just, it, it makes you think and it keeps you going. Totally. Totally. And that final event, whatever you're rehearsing for, whatever you're working on, that final event where you are presenting it in some format counts as process. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not over. Mm. It has to be perfect now. That's part of you reviewing yourself as an artist and going, so this was my final product. Do I want to keep going? Yes, I do. And then that becomes a step in the process, right? There's no, I don't Mm. think there's such thing as a final, you know what I mean? Like even when films come out, I'd never think that they're finished. I think directors still look at it and go, yeah, I I wish I had used this, use this (laughs) scene. I wish we had used that score. And I do the same thing with my, my plays and my poetry. Something comes out and I hear an actor say it and I'm like, next time I do it, it's going to be a little bit different. And that's, again, it's just, that's how we learn. That's how we, how we keep our minds healthy as, as artists, you know, being able to find those things. Yeah. Does that make George Lucas the master of this process? He loves going back and, <laughs> and like, touching things up. He's like, let's do another one. Or like Ridley I think Scott. it needs to be just yeah. more more droids going through the background on this scene. I just don't think it seemed crowded enough with droids. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> same with same thing with same thing with Ridley Scott, maybe. He's just like, there's something more to this alien idea, guys. There's just something more there. Um I, w- I want to kind of go back um to before you were at this stage and like right to the beginning because um you know you don't you don't grow up as a little kid thinking i'm gonna go be an author or i'm gonna go write plays i mean when maybe you, you div- do well some do yeah actually true true point i wanted to be a i wanted to be a firefighter or now i'm scared of fire so that doesn't really work um <laughs> but like what what brings you to the, like what's what's the stage like how did you come to creative writing what inspired you to write like something has to be your first step right yeah, I think I think the the first step was probably just in incredible unfortunately it was just incredible like loneliness and unhappiness. I was just, you know, <laughs> writing in a journal a lot as a kid. Um and, you know, high school is hard. Kids are mean, you know, like we all go through it. Yeah. Especially yeah. I think when you're an artsy kid in in high school, I think that's always seen as like the Un, quote unquote un like I was not popular at all as like a kid that loved theater yep. like not at all um yeah I remember it's the theater kid kind of vibe yeah yeah and yeah. and yeah. It, it, it literally took you know getting into senior year and my cohorts and my teachers kind of telling me like you know, you can, you can do this. Like, did you know that this is a career choice? And I was like, what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so it, I, I think a lot of it comes from community and I, I don't think it's healthy to be an artist on their own. I don't think it's good to be, you know, some, an artist that isolates themselves and doesn't talk to people at all or other artists. I think you need community. So once I started discovering community and, going to things and volunteering at theaters for like, you know, my community service hours and and stuff like that and meeting other kind of high schoolers that were in to the same thing and then keeping those friends and then growing that network um, of just encouragement is so important. I think, I think it's important in, in life in general, but, but that's really what got me to the stage where I'm at now, where it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm friends with the fear, you know, cause I've always had it mm-hmm. and it's okay. But it, it does sometimes that little justification from other people is always nice of just, you know, there's a reason you're doing this. Just remember that. Like, you know, you know, like, especially when I got to university and they were like, you know, they only accept nine playwrights and you're one of the nine. So, you know, hone that. You've got something to say and someone saw it and it really does sometimes just take one person to just go, you know, there's something here. So just going back, just being able to go back to your community and having that band around you of other, you know, misfit toys <laughs> of just like, yeah, we're doing it. We're making art and it's rad. Um, so I would say that that's what got me uh, in my process now is definitely just continuous community being involved, always watching what other people are doing and, and taking note and being able to absorb. Like that's just so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have it's so ever... funny because 
sorry (laughs) no I was just gonna say it's so funny because looking back like when I mean we're I assume we're all around the same age I'm I'm a little bit older if you're kind of more around Ted's age but um yeah looking back at like our high school experiences being artsy was you were classified as a nerd you got made fun of um and I feel like there's a bit of a shift now um where it's kind of becoming the cool thing to do and like you see they you know you you see them kind of poke fun of that in 22 Jump Street where it's like they go back to high school and they have this idea of what the cool kid is going to be and then it's the complete opposite um and and I kind of I love I love that it's changing I love that people can be expressive and show their art and share their art and be comfortable with who they are right now um kind of in a safer environment I mean you know you're always going to have those quote-unquote bullies that try and bring you down but essentially that's really just because they're for the most part internally struggling on their own not not an excuse a reason um but it's it's really nice to see that that there's that shift kind of in society where expressing yourself and art in within the community and hopefully more within schools uh is kind of more more you know it's not knocked down as much as it was in the past it's so important for kids to have an outlet um I mean, it's important for everyone to have an outlet, but the 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 younger you are, where to learn the outlet that works positively for you, the better. And I just I love that that's kind of more of an opportunity these days for young people. Yeah, yeah, and it's brilliant. I love it. It's it's so it's so needed, you know. And it's it it everything tracks right because you know I started journaling because I was you know, like kind of unpopular and sad. And then I was told that I could do this thing that makes me feel better as a a career choice. And it's like, we need more encouragement like that for sure. Like from that younger age of like, hey, like if you really think you have something here, there's nothing to be ashamed about it if you want to pursue it. Like it's completely feasible and possible. So I, yeah, Yeah, 100%. And then you realize that more people feel the same way as you do. And all of a sudden, you've just got this huge community surrounding you of like-minded people that you can feed off of and bounce ideas off of. Like you were saying, community. It's yeah. We we do. As as a society, as, as a human being, we crave uh, contact with people. Yes. And and it's so and it's so important that it's positive. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the first time you had a creative work of yours that got uh, praise from someone that meant nothing to you personally and how that felt to you? Ooh, yeah, like a, that is a good question. Because yeah, there is something to say about your friends seeing something and being like, it's so good. And you're like, no, but like, what else? Um, (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, I remember, and it's so funny because we, I was just speaking to this guy recently this week, um, but I had uh, my very first show that I've ever like fully written. Um, it was called North of Orion. Uh, it was a one woman. I was the woman. <laughs> um, wow. And it was uh, workshopped at York University. And um, I performed it uh, as part of a festival to a group of people who did not know me and did not need to like me and did not need to like what I had to say. Um, it was very personal shows about a young person with, uh, uh, PTSD. And, you know, I was just like, I'm sorry if you were here for some laughs, (laughs) um, (laughs) but you know, it was, so it was nerve wracking, very nerve wracking. It was something I was working on, uh, for a very long time. And I came out at the end and I kind of had all my stuff with me. I was about to go home. And this young man kind of came out of the crowd uh, and he introduced himself and I introduced myself and he said, you know, I, he, he wasn't an arts major by any capacity, um, but he said he had seen, you know, posters around for the show and he saw it and he himself had a past with PTSD. And I remember him saying, I felt like I needed to see your show. And that wow. for me was the ultimate to this day is something I consider like the highest praise I've ever, I've ever had from somebody, just a complete stranger who took time out of their day and money out of their pocket to come and see my show that wasn't completely finished, wasn't completely, you know, imagined and listened to my words and said, I felt like I needed to see it as if, as if the, sh- the show really provided some kind of clarity for him. And you know, as an artist, you hear, you hear that it's changed somebody in the slightest way. And you're like, I, I did that. I did, I did that. And again, I didn't know this guy. 
and to but to this day we still chat we still talk and you know he he's seen he's seen the the last reiteration of the show that i did last year um obviously there was no live events going on so it was it was actually a recorded piece it was in the form of a podcast that you could take home and listen um it's kind of like a sensory experience and he he was on board with that and he listened to it and you know bought the show again and was like it was great i loved it even better now and i was like the dude like he's just coming for the ride and and that is so that relationship is so important to me so 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 important to me so i'd have to say that my high praise from him was yeah this like the nicest thing i've ever i've ever heard yeah that's amazing I'm I'm so I'm so happy to hear that that happened and also happy to hear that you can you can hold on to that cuz yeah that's that's a huge moment for 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 a creative to find out hey it's not just cool in my echo chamber it's cool outside of my little safe hut. Yes. Yes. And and that little praise will always overshadow any any negative review that I'll ever hear from anybody. Just that one line has kept that project specifically just it kept rolling i just continuously think of him and others Mm. like him that might feel the same and and just go no 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 like this this is for someone it's for someone Mm -hmm. and if it's okay if it's not for you but it's for someone yeah and it's so i just it's so important too it's it he probably didn't think anything of it coming up to you and just saying like hey I felt I needed to see the show. It spoke to me. It was great. It took no time mm-hmm. to say a kind thing to you. Yeah. But that's stayed with you for years. Mm-hmm. And it's, I just feel like when you like something about someone or like something about what someone did, just it takes two seconds to tell them and you have no idea how it's going to change the trajectory of their life. Right. It could be the one thing that they needed to hear that day no, that kept them going. Yep. And it took you two seconds. Yep. And I, I, I'm so happy that that happened for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's so lovely and he's, he's wonderful. And I, 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 I love that experience. Yeah. I take it with me always. So in every project, not just that one, but yeah. Yeah. So um, you write, uh, so North of Orion, that was a one person show where you were the uh, main actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've also talked about some poetry that you've written and uh, a podcast type thing that you've written. And mm-hmm. so, so you write for a lot of different media, um, yeah. but it's all you. How do you find the, because it's such, it's such an interesting field because you have to be adaptable to so many different, you got to change. Do you ever change your way of speaking for an audience or do you change it like depending on who you're talking to depending uh what medium you're writing for like how do you stay adaptable but also stay yourself when writing for different media oh yeah yeah um, with the hard hitters good question yeah god i feel like i'm on I feel like i'm on hot ones when they're like that's really good um yeah oh it's hard um changing styles I mean, I can't speak for everybody. It can't be always hard for some. I mean, some people just really latch on to stuff and you're like, holy, wow, you're okay. (laughs) You're good. You're good to go. (laughs) Um, And I'm not one of those people at all. You know, style takes time. And when I started writing for Howl the podcast, which is um, a horror, um, yeah, I I was really intimidated, obviously, because I love horror. Um, and I didn't want to mess it up. I care about it so mm-hmm. much as a medium and a genre. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely research. I always fall back on research. Re- research to me is so comforting, regardless of what I'm researching. You know, if it's for a project that I really need to do a lot of background work on, um, or just looking at how, how other people write. You know, uh, when I was working on Howl. I was working with a screenwriter, so I, you know, I would look at their scripts and kind of go, okay, what's the voice here? Um, how how can I make it so that it sounds totally like it, you know, kind of matches, but I can put my own flair in there, my own jokes uh, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I, to answer your question, I don't know how, but it is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was very, it was a whole process for me to adapt to those kinds of mediums. Um, but I think it's, it's coming out of a place of respect, you know, cause you don't want to say like, 
oh, I write plays and that's, you know, way harder than writing a 10 episode, you know, uh, episodic podcast. Like that's, there's just Mm -hmm. no, you can't compare things like that because there's so many things you have to take into consideration. So you always have to go into a new medium, I think, with a lot of respect for it and respect in the fact that you don't know anything and that's okay. You have to go into it with, you know, willing, willingness to learn willingness to, 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 you know, realize that, oh, oh, this is not good, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. um, and, and be okay with that and be malleable. And it's hard because, you know, sometimes you don't like being told like, this isn't how you do it. And you're like, well, it's how I do it. You know what I mean? But, um, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's just be respectful of the mediums, be very ready for change and being lenient and malleable. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's how I approach it anyways, but I haven't gotten over that that other side of the fear yet. I'm very much still like, ooh, <laughs> I could definitely learn more about screenwriting. I could definitely learn more about writing um, episodically and whatnot. So, yeah. Ooh. How, how does one stay flexible as a creative? Ooh. Um, open-mindedness, really. Um don't 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 be you know don't subscribe to one thing don't put that on yourself don't give yourself that kind of boundary and say you know i'm a playwright i write plays because i was there for a, a while and it was hindering uh, as a writer cuz mm. it's healthy to explore other stuff it's that's that's why i read you know it's it's good to good do that kind of research um and so just that willingness to be open-minded and to kind of go, maybe, maybe I could, could do this because I, I feel like you can identify as a playwright. You can identify as a screenwriter. You can identify as a poet, but what do those things all have in common is that they're all in the vein of writing creatively. Right. Mm. So you're a writer when you're a writer, you're a writer. So don't put those boundaries on yourself. Don't say, well, no, I just do playwriting. Explore a little bit. Do, do, do a little, do a little more, you know, it's kind of like when people are actors and they want to, try directing or producing it's like yeah don't subscribe like let's let's kind of spread out let's you know uh, understand other mediums because with that understanding comes a lot of again respect um and if if it all fails you can go well then i have 10 times more respect for the people that do that do that and do it well because i've tried it and it's hard <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so that's that, I, definitely that, yeah You've, mess- you, you've mentioned, mentioned uh, once or twice in your process how heavily you de- depend on research. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, every, everyone else's process, as we've said through this uh, podcast so far, is, is individual, uh, highly specific to the creator themselves. But mm. what do you consider research? Like, how do you research for something that you're writing? Because it's already in your head. What are you, what are you researching? Yeah, well, a lot of the times for me, it's just things that I haven't been through. You know, I I don't want to speak on an experience that I haven't gone through. So for instance, with North of Orion, I I don't have PTSD. I don't identify as somebody who has, who suffers from that. So I did about two years of research about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, the history of it, you know, starting with like, you know, shell shock and all that kind of stuff and then working its way through society. And, and then, and then I looked at research, uh, about it in children, uh, f- starting from a young age and then it kind of worked its way. It's, it's like, kind of like going through like a YouTube click hole. Like you're just like you, everything just gets more and more specific and you work your way through ideas, you know, so you might start, I want to write a, a play about world war two and then through research of World War II, you, you realize, no, I want to do um, a piece about this one specific uh, field hospital nurse because her life was so interesting and there's real documentation there. And it's it, it just gets so – it really gets, like, juicy, I find. Like, you get <laughs> to the heart of really what you're writing about and then that – everything comes from research that's where you get your plot that's where you get just all of your ideas your characters um so so it it comes down to um, how in-depth you want to go with your idea you know like you can even even on the show that I'm working on right now which is takes place in you know 2032 and I don't know what that looks like I haven't lived in 2032 Mm -hmm. but I can take a look at you know, research in terms of where our governments are heading, where society is heading for those times, and then think about what is best case scenario, what is worst case scenario, 
where's the medium scenario? What's the scenario I want? And then in turn, you go through that kind of click hole again of just like this and then this topic and then that, that bleeds into that and, and, and so on and so forth. So, so that's kind of where it lies. Everything is research. Everything can be research. Literally everything going outside and taking a walk and being in nature can be research. Um, so mm-hmm. that's, that's the scaffolding that I, I lay myself on when I don't know what else to do basically. <laughs> and once you've got all this research, you, um, condense it into a story. Let's say we're writing a short story. I think something that's pretty common between all of the arts is that you have to get from this really broad general idea of what you want to express to your audience and you have to refine it down into the most condensed, easy to express idea, just one kind of core thing. But that's also, even though we all share this in common, is the hardest thing we all share in common. And I wondered if you could speak to the act of taking all the, th- the words that you've put onto paper and being able to ax like 60% of them to get to what you really need. Mm, yeah, editing is, mm-hmm. it's a whole other part of the process, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's emotional, first of all, because it's your first ta- little, little talk with yourself about, okay, what is working and, and what is not working. Um, something that I do uh, in my process personally is that I take all my research and then I come up with just a bunch of stories, just a bunch of intriguing stories. And every time I hit a dead end, I go back and then I pull from somewhere else and I see how far that narrative takes me. And then if I hit another dead end, I go back and then I pull again and I go, okay, what about, what if, what if they made this decision? And I go down that road and if, you know, it's all about just taking those narratives and then you build the story on top of it. And every time you hit a wall, you basically just backpedal and then you make a different decision. You grab another little tidbit from your research. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. that's something that I do. And it's so long and it's so <laughs> tedious. And if you find another way to do it that works 10 times better than that, you need to let me know. But like that is, that's my process that I do. And it, it's depending on, you know, how, sometimes ideas come really easily. Like I, the, the show that I'm working on now, Tendencies that I wrote, I conceived the first draft in two weeks because wow. mm-hmm. things just had not a perfect first draft mind you but a, a skeletal you know there were there were th- words on pages um mm-hmm. and that's <laughs> the hardest the hardest draft is the first um and and then there's north of orion that i've been working on on and off for about 5 years now and it's still in process uh so you mm-hmm. know it, it's 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 this fun little dance of going two steps forward and then three steps back and and yeah. that's that's okay that is that is okay because it is still progress it still counts um but that's the hardest part of my process i think is just hit those dead ends hit them hard realize you can't move that wall go back and see what decision takes you around the wall do it's, you pass your work off to a a, sec, a third party editor I do. I have a wonderful uh, dramaturg, which is basically like a like a like an editor uh, <clears throat> who, but a, a very collaborative ep- uh, um, editor, not somebody who just checks on, um, you know, does the plot make sense, and you know, are these characters intriguing and all that kind of stuff, but really dives into the, to the why and the how. You know, mm. a good dramaturg will always piss you off. Because they're just <laughs> consistently questioning everything you do because someone's going to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like someone is going to and I would much rather have this lovely individual who is my friend question me and question me and question me and make me work hard for my art rather than read it in a newspaper and go, dang it, I should have questioned myself more or else I wouldn't have this, you know, kind of okay review maybe if I tackled that and somebody had noticed it before I would have had a much better you know whatever but uh but definitely it's it's um it's this beautiful dramaturg that I use named Elise that um 
is 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 so good at being such a good friend and just the worst critic. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to circle back to sorry to your process when you're when you're writing your stories. How you said you'll you'll kind of come up with a bunch of different stories and when you hit a dead end, you go back and you take another route. And Ted, earlier in the podcast, you were saying how writing goes into everything that we do: movies, uh, mm-hmm. TV, games role play, everything like that. And it's just, it's funny that that's your process because this morning on my Twitch stream, I started playing a new game that came out in September called Beacon Pines. And it's a mystery game. And throughout the story, you collect these charms that you have to use um, at certain parts of the story that will change your trajectory. And if you choose one, it will go and it will stop the story before you get to the end. And you get to go back and try another one and go a different route. And as the different routes, as you go, you collect more charms that you can go back and use. So it's just one of those, it just kind of fits so perfectly into what Ted was saying, that like writing, it's just, it goes into everything. And I just think it's so funny that that's your process. And I just started a game that essentially is that process, but a game. (laughs) Exactly. No, it totally is. And I bet you that one of those creators is like, this is actually a method of deduction that I use in life. And you know what, maybe it would make a really fun game because it really does keep you busy for a long time. It does. And I'm having a blast. I'm like, every time I kind of hit a dead end, I'm like, oh, I get to go back and try again. (laughs) No, it's great. It's good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so much fun. (laughs) Good. Uh, you have some uh, some work on the go right now. I understand. Is that correct? I do. Yes. Um, I uh, I my best friend and I, MJ, we opened our own theater company uh, during the pandemic. Of course, because we were like, why not? Wow. <laughs> um, Amazing. Perfect time, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Totally. Um, everyone's at home, willing to watch some art, right? So. Mm-hmm. We opened we opened our company and and right we did all virtual stuff obviously uh, and now we're going to be performing our very first uh, in person show uh, a show that I wrote and I'm also directing it's called Tendencies um, like I said before it takes place in the future uh, I would call it kind of a neo noir if you will it's quite dark it's you know I, I know I talked about how I wrote a play about PTSD but this truly is the darkest play I've ever written like it's it's a wow. big world wow. it's a big world and it's a big scary world um, but that we we're doing kind of like a, a workshopped version of it uh, in hopes that we get to share some of our progress with an audience that will share with us perhaps you know some of their hopes and dreams for the show and we can kind of build off of it so that uh, work will be premiering on December 6th uh, at the Red Sandcastle Theatre so we're we're looking forward to that that's what we're in rehearsals for right now that's fantastic where's the Red Sandcastle Theatre Red Sandcastle Theatre is located in Leslieville on Queen Street East um, in Toronto, Ontario. And, uh, oh, it, very cool. Yeah. And, you know, if you're listening and you are interested in following along with our, uh, with our adventures with this show, you can follow our Instagram, which is at Start the Riot Theatre. Uh, and that's where we will be updating um, with all of our uh, information on where to buy tickets for the show and uh, the location of the theater and whatnot, and some fun, some fun rehearsal stuff as well. I'm sure we'll we'll get uh, the cast to uh, post some fun stories or something. Oh, that's awesome! I, lo- that's I, I would love to follow along with the process. Please, yeah. I, just, I wrote down, I wrote down the handle so that as soon as we're done recording, I can go on Instagram and follow. Oh my god! Please, yes, please. <laughs> I was I was wondering if you if you'd be interested in talking about what it goes what what goes into putting on a show on uh, on a real stage because you, you you say it so casually oh we're putting on a play at the <laughs> at the theater but you you don't just show up to a theater one day right and like, everything's like, how ready do you get yeah. a show on stage like it, it's it's now been written but but we've got to do something with that writing right so so what comes after you've written it yeah ooh those fun first steps of like. Are we going to do this? Okay. Yeah. When does the rubber hit the road? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, f- fast or slow, whenever you want to start, basically. Uh, but, you know, a, a really big thing uh, of, you know, doing any kind of uh, presentation, of course, we talked about it before, is budget. You do have to put mm. a little bit of, of, of the money into something. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot. It's kind of dis- depending on the caliber, right? Like, you know, we decided not to do a full-fledged, 
lights, camera, action type of show, we decided like, let's do, it's our first in-person experience. Also, we want to be understandable about people's kind of COVID boundaries um, and do, you know, a smaller uh, workshop piece in a, in a theater that is smaller, that doesn't require them to exactly be, you know, shoulder to shoulder with a hundred people, maybe only like 50 <laughs> um, and <laughs> requiring masks and all that stuff. Right. But um, yeah, uh, patience is required as well. A lot of patience and preparation for things not going your way. Uh, cause there's, there's always mm-hmm. something that happens, right? There's always going to be something that happens. So prepare for that. Um, being meticulous in your schedule, you need that to be prepared and, you know, sticking, sticking to that. Um, and not being afraid to ask for what you want. You know, if this is, if this is a, a staged reading, but you want costumes, figure out how to get costumes. If it's a staged reading, but you would like lights and sound, figure out how to do that. Um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to ask for what you want, but you have to be meticulous because this is, this is now, you know, going into rehearsals and things like that. This is when you have to actually start being more prepared, right? Like Mm. myself as a writer and director, I have to go in with a schedule of what we're working on. I have to know things. So this is kind of the part in the process where you have to start looking weeks ahead, you know, months Mm -hmm. ahead, you know, like, where we're premiering on December 6th, we only have five rehearsals. That That's what was in our budget. We just have five rehearsals to get these guys um, prepared. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's coming from a good, a good collective effort too, right? Like, it's not just you. It's not just me. You know, it's MJ. It's our cast. We also have a lovely stage manager. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to lean on that collective, that community, as we were talking about before, and, and, and you know, I involving everyone in the process because you know everybody can do can do a little something right like the actors are going home and they're making notes and they're rehearsing on themselves you kind of have to go forward as the artistic director and be meticulous of schedules and money and paperwork especially when you're a small theater like we are you know like it's the the members of the board are myself and mj and we do everything (laughs) we do all the things we do all the things so getting to the point where you can kind of build on can we get someone else in here (laughs) to maybe take a look at math i don't know um but yeah um i would say you know you pick a pick a date to hit hit the road and and stick with it and then start rolling but make sure that you have the time and the energy to roll because it takes time, it takes patience, it takes money, um, and it takes mm-hmm. a good community around you. So as long as you have all those in check, just make sure you have all the tools in, in your toolbox and then and you can, you know, any anything yeah. negative that happens, you have everything you could possibly need to help you get out of that. Yeah. And I think this is such an important thing to, to know for people who want to, um, who are maybe really into their own creative uh, work and want to keep doing this is mm-hmm. that eventually the creative process becomes a business process mm-hmm. and it's work. And uh, yeah. that can be intimidating for some people. And mm-hmm. for those people, you need to realize that there are other people out there that are willing to produce your work yeah. um, and keep you on a schedule. Um, you can pursue that, but eventually your creative uh, process is going to have to become a marketing process. It's going to have mm-hmm. to become a, a, a production process. I think it's the, it's it's very much the same in film. Uh, you write your script, but now we've got to hire the lighting team and we've got to rent the lights and we've got to get mm-hmm. the spaces that we're shooting at. We've got to secure things. And we've got to do all this by Friday. Yeah. And we've also got to do all this for $1,200. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, being good with the budgeting and being good with all of this, mm-hmm. I mean, isn't necessarily key to being a creative writer, but to being a creative writer that gets their work out of there, how important is um, training outside of like in the business arts? Like how, how have you found that? Yeah, it's, it is incredibly important because, you know, as much as we tell ourselves as artists, like I'm doing it for me, I'm, I'm doing it because I believe in myself and I'm doing, you know, that's, those are great reasons to do all those things. But, you know, you have to make it profitable if you really, if you want to live off of it, right? You have to figure out a way to sell it, you know? Mm. Um, and that's something that, you know, as an artist, especially in theater, I, th- I don't think we love admitting all the time, but it's like, you have to put butts in seats and then you have to figure out how you're going to do it again. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, so 
it's incredibly important. I think it's inc- like, you know, I, I, I think that we should start having, especially in universities, when you're in, in arts, some kind of a business unit. Do you know what I mean? Some kind of a, a marketing, yeah. a, a marketing unit of this is how you make your, you know, this is how you make your work seen. This is how websites work. This is how, yeah. you know, all these things work. It's so, so important. And, and understanding social media was a huge thing for us as a theater company. You know, we had to understand how to use Instagram, but not as like a portfolio of memories for our personal lives, but now as how to promote our art and how to get it seen and understanding algorithms. Do you know, it, it's it's so important because times are changing and they're changing fast, you know, mm. like fads are coming in and out so quickly that you really need to keep on top of certain things. Um and you can narrow it down. You can narrow it down just to like what exactly you want to focus on. But I would say that profitable mar- part of it, that um, as you said, that business role uh, is so important to at least have a, a basic knowledge about um, because it, we're, you know, we're in a very technological universe now it's just the way things have mm-hmm. gone um and i think mm-hmm. it's okay i think it's worked really well for a lot of reasons um yeah it's you got to make it work for you you got to make it yeah. work for you and and again research and talking to people talking to friends who are uh in in business talking to friends who are in marketing how does this work you know go go, to, go for a beer and just probe their brain a little bit and then come back with answers <laughs> about how to do this. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very important. Don't, don't struggle with it. Don't deny it. You know, just, just jump right in. Cause it's, it is, it's, it's going to, it's going to be good for you, I think. And it's, it's also okay to like hate technology and be like, I just, I just want to rebel, but you know, yeah. we, we need it. We need it. Like, we're doing a podcast right now. I am here because <laughs> because I want to talk to other artists and, and vibe out a little bit and it's needed. Mm-hmm. We need it. So so don't don't fear the reaper. <laughs> yeah. If you're creative, just remember you're also in sales and you're also in marketing because your product is your art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. if you wanna live that if you wanna live that life, if you wanna live that that just I'm just doing my work, you know, uh, that kind of life, then then that that knowledge is very important. Mm-hmm. And staying adaptable, like you were saying earlier, being open to all these different uh, mediums and uh, types of audiences and yeah, be, being very flexible. So I mm-hmm. think you're, you're a great uh, person to learn from. I'm very, I'm very much uh, appreciating learning from your process. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Too. I'm glad it's like coherent because <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's, sometimes <laughs> really I'm articulating it well now, but sometimes my process is just like, pacing my apartment and just go like what am I doing you know like just having those moments making myself a lot of tea and just kind of being like (laughs) god why am I doing this having my pity party and then going I I'm just gonna write (laughs) you just gotta do it if you could I I know you're very happy with the path you're on right now because it's led you to so many great things Mm -hmm. but say you got the chance to kind of go back to uh 12 year old Shannon and just talk to her and say, hey, uh, I got some advice for you. Okay. What would you be telling 12-year-old Shannon? Oh, you, you, you got something there, kid. You got something. <laughs> Hang on to it. You know, uh, uh, I, I wish I could have uh, been my number one fan more. I wish I could have you know, just supported myself a little bit more, I think, um, in terms of being an artist and identifying as an artist. Um, and I think I also would have told myself not, not to, not, I wouldn't have said like, don't, don't fear. Um, but I would have said the fear is coming and the fear is your friend. It's okay. You know, it's, it's a sign that you care. Um, and other people will care. So just let it happen, sit with it, make friends with it, you'll be cool. I think if I had made friends with the fear a little bit earlier, even, even, you know, not as young as 12, but even at like 18, 19, going into university and stuff and that unsureness of like, oh, I'm going to be a writer. What am I doing? Like, you know, that, you know, cause <laughs> I think, you know, in that age too, is like, because of my generation, like, you know, my, my folks were also a big, like, 
you know, I love, I love my dad. I love my dad so much. He's my best friend in the whole world. But, you know, every now and then he'd go, you sure you don't want to be a nurse? Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just that kind of like, you're like grandma. Oh, parents. Yeah. Gra- grandma was a nurse. You know, she, she really liked it. And I'm like, mm, I, I don't think I'm good with like bodily fluid. I'm good. You know? Um, yeah. so, yeah. so, so just like even taking those things of just like, just like, just roll with it, Shannon, just roll with it. You're on, you're on the good path. It's unsureness is good. The fear is coming. Let it, it'll wash over you like a wave. It'll be, it'll be all great in the end. Don't you worry, kid. So that's, that would have been my advice. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Where can we find your stuff online, Shannon? Where can we find uh, your words? Oh, you can find my poetry on Instagram at Shannon isn't home. Uh, <laughs> and because uh, I'm, mostly I'm not. <laughs> um, I like that. <laughs> and uh, and you can also, uh, I'll reiterate the, uh, the handle for my theater company that I have with my co-AD, uh, my lovely friend MJ, which is at Start the Riot Theater. Um, and that is the name of our uh, company. So please follow along to those. Uh, I have quite a bit of poetry coming out. Um, so uh, I'm constantly writing, <laughs> which is, I promise, a good thing. My brain is totally fine. <laughs> I'm just writing a lot. <laughs> um, but those are those are all the fun things that are coming up for me right now. And to the listener, um, just because it's a project that Shannon and I both worked on, uh, her obviously to a much greater, but I wrote some music for it. Mm, uh, check yes. out Howl the Podcast. It's on everywhere where you're listening to us. Um, search up uh, Howl the Podcast. That's that's the whole title of it. And then mm-hmm. you've got some behind the scenes B tapes uh, that you can hear. And also the, the main story that uh, Shannon and uh, I think you co-wrote that, correct? I co-wrote it, yes, with uh, the co-writer, the original creator, director, everything person is Casper and Casper's amazing. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So check that out. Uh, just to give myself a little slight plug. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. It's... I'm sorry. I forgot about it. I was like, we've been done season one for so long now. I'm just like, I'm just like, I need rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to listen to it. It's really easy to find. I searched for it as soon as you briefly mentioned it. It took me two seconds to find. So awesome. It's real easy. Great. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the plugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming out and uh, and talking with us and kind of sharing yeah, thank with you us so much. this kind of this was a beautiful insight into the creative process and I think anyone who's working in any creative capacity has learned something today, Shannon. So, uh, yeah, really, just thank you so much. You really uh, you really blessed the show with you with your presence. Oh, yeah, thanks, thank you, thank you guys. Thanks. I'm very happy to to spend my Sunday with you. You've been listening to the Nerdy Thoughts Podcast. Your hosts today were Mimi Q.U. and Ted Linden. Music and production for the Nerdy Thoughts Podcast is by Black Bear Sound Productions. Find us on our socials at Nerdy Thoughts Cast. And tune in next time for another great interview with another big fan. Who knows? Maybe you'll find your new fandom. <laughs>